Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. I had a rather strange encounter in a supermarket this week. The place was really crowded and it was quite challenging to navigate our trolley around the aisles. People seemed to be very much in a hurry, as was I. I was eager to get my few bits and pieces and be away. Grocery shopping isn't my favourite thing. And then I saw a very large man heading towards me. At first glance, he looked rather intimidating, to be honest. We did that embarrassing dance of the trolley thing. You know, you steer that way, they steer the same way, you head the other side of the aisle and they follow suit. I looked at him and made the obvious comment, care to dance, and then I apologised for being in his way. His face broke into a broad smile. No problem, he said. And then as we passed each other, he slowed down and his smile got even bigger. So how are you doing today, he asked. He'd come to a complete stop now. My mind raced. Did he know me? Should I know him? Was this someone from our church? But there was no recognition. This was a complete stranger taking a moment to notice me, to greet me, to show some interest. In short, he saw me. I'm fine, thank you, I replied. And how are you? Impossibly, his smile got even bigger. Great, he said. You have yourself a very nice day. It was one of those moments when the sun seemed to come out from behind the clouds, a simple act of pause between complete strangers that caused an almost physical rush of joy. In our busy, what can be a very anonymous world, this was a moment to celebrate. That man didn't know me, but he saw me. Seeing people. Now that, tonight, is what we're talking about. It happened during an evening spent in the home of a family from our church. Craig and Andrea are missionaries serving on the campus of Colorado State University. Their commitment is impressive, their home often crammed full of students. Their daughter Zoe is a little lady with a big personality, and once we'd finished our meal, Zoe announced her plan. Let's play hide-and-seek, she whispered, and then proceeded to take us on a tour of the room, pointing out the most likely places where she would hide. Perhaps she didn't feel confident that we'd be able to locate her without some help. Unsurprisingly, with her hints, it didn't take very long for the game to be over. Time for another suggestion from Zoe. You know, I can jump really high, she ventured. I realised that this was not a moment to just congratulate her on her vertical takeoff skills or encourage her that should she embrace a challenging regime of exercise and athletic discipline, perchance there might be a gold medal in her future. She didn't need to hear any of that waffle. She just wanted me to utter three words. Show me, Zoe. And show me, she did. Bounding up onto the couch, she made me feel a little nervous. You know, we had the minister and his wife over for dinner and the kids ended up in hospital with broken bones. But then she leapt in the air, landing safely, which was the answer to a hasty prayer. We clapped and cheered. Zoe wanted to be seen and we'd obliged. We all have a deep need to be seen. The first time we ride a bike without falling off, or successfully use a potty, not at the same time as riding that bike, when we score a goal or win that race, the need to be noticed is primal in us all, 
so much so that that hunger can create dysfunction. Jesus rebuked the Pharisaic barons who adopted a pray-and-display spirituality and exposed their desperate appetite to not only be seen but celebrated. He said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And then later in that withering sermon that we read in Matthew 23, he said, everything they do is done for people to see. But we all have a healthy need to be seen, and noticing is one of the wondrous attributes of God, as the Old Testament story of Hagar reveals. A trafficked slave who had been hauled out of her Egyptian homeland and taken across borders to Canaan, she was commodified, used, and abused by Abraham and Sarah. A bewildered fugitive in the Sinai desert, she bumped into an angel, heard her name spoken, and gave God a name too. You are the God who sees me. Hagar discovered this life-altering truth, one that's affirmed throughout Scripture. When God sees, he cares. And then there's that chap Zacchaeus, the tiny tax collector who always makes me think of a tree-bound Donny DeVito, a man despised by all, tagged as a shark, a quisling, and a traitor, that tax man had felt the icy freeze of many cold stares. But then Jesus came by, peered up into the branches, saw him, and spoke his name. Being seen birthed a brand new life. So today, let's be determined to notice what's around and who is around us. As Annie Dillard put it, we are here to witness the creation and abet it. We are here to notice each thing so that each thing gets noticed. Together we notice not only the mountain shadow and each stone on the beach, but especially we notice the beautiful faces and complex natures of each other. Otherwise, creation would be playing to an empty house. Today, let's notice. Lives may change as we see, and the show that's playing is really spectacular. Whatever we do, let's not miss it. Noticing people. It was a case of mistaken identity, and it happened when a man who fixes block drains came to our house. Our plumbing was terminally congested, and my combined efforts with prayer and a plunger were to no avail. This came as no surprise. My DIY gifts are extremely limited. Whenever I've ever tried to attempt household repairs, our family has moved into a time of intercessory screaming, so I gave up and called the Drain Clearance Company. Ron, otherwise known as the Drain Man, arrived with his Ron the Drain Man van. I met him on our driveway and shared the unpleasant details of our problem. He assured me that he would lift a manhole in our front garden and resolve the issue in a jiffy. I thanked him, returned to the house, and jumped into the shower. Two minutes later, Ron decided that he needed a little more detail about the plumbing layout of our home and rang our doorbell. My wife Kay answered the door. Kay is just four years my junior, but looks considerably younger, owing to her youthful genes and me obviously having had a rough life. Ron took one look at Kay and uttered words that brought unbridled joy to her heart. Can you please tell your dad that I need a word? he said. Kay is unendingly kind. 
She decided not to correct Ron's mistake and risk embarrassing him, so she just called up the stairs to me. Dad, can you come down and talk to Ron? First glances can be deceiving. I know this from bitter experience, having planted my foot squarely in my mouth because I rushed to conclusions and didn't take time to really see and notice people. Like the time when I spotted Sue arriving for Sunday morning church. Sue was pregnant, or so I thought. In the final few weeks of her confinement, she'd become quite gigantic. She was certainly ready to bring her huge offspring into the world. Good morning, Sue, I smiled, and noticing her undiminished girth, I asked, So, no baby yet then? She smiled warmly, another example of beautiful kindness, and nodded at the pram that I'd failed to notice. I had the baby last Tuesday, Jeff, she said, pointing to the bundle in the pram. It's just that I'm still this big, I was about to say, but thought better of it, my brain having finally caught up with my mouth. I am so sorry, Sue. What a beautiful boy, I stammered, praying that the pink-faced infant was indeed a male of the species. I had staggered into this gaffe because of first-glance presumption. Again, I hadn't taken time to notice. Ron the drain man and I share the same malady. We took a quick look and too quickly opened our mouths. But there is a much more subtle yet terribly toxic temptation that surely awaits us all. We take a first glance and in an instant we close our minds, or worse still, we close our hearts. Some scientists say that we humans start to form impressions of others after seeing their faces for less than one-tenth of a second. If they're right, that means we decide at lightning speed if someone we meet is attractive, authentic, competent, or worthy of our time. Spotting that aggressive-looking soul who has chosen to tattoo his body with profanities, we declare him instantly to be a thug and dangerous with it. And what of that picky, irritating soul who asks aimless questions at the church business meeting? He's surely trouble, a threat to our unity, or so the minister concludes. Jesus saw and noticed people. A weeping widow from Nain passes by, and we read that Jesus saw her, and his heart went out to her. And he saw people when they were at their worst, in the midst of hot denials with curses, Peter suddenly felt eyes upon him. Luke in his gospel tells us, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. No passing glance this, but a look of total knowing and yet total love and commitment. Jesus goes beyond first glance. He sees, he notices, me, you. Let's be like him. We've been thinking about noticing people, genuinely seeing them. And here's the irony. Those of us who spend a lot of time with people can actually be the ones who succumb to the temptation to not really see them. The busy doctor in the casualty ward is told that there's a broken arm in cubicle six rather than the recently widowed Mr. Jones, who's had a nasty fall. He so misses his wife and would love a moment of brief conversation, interest, 
the busy doctor. It's not his fault. He's under such pressure. He dashes on. We go into the shop and the assistant behind the counter yawns, indifferent to the customer who has become just another commodity. The pastor, the church leader, looks out over the congregation, seeing a crowd recording Sunday morning attendance numbers and offering figures, not noticing real flesh and blood people with hopes, dreams, needs and heartaches. He or she delivers a sermon, not taking into account the stories of his listeners, wondering whether this is actually impacting them, not seeing them. And then we rush by that hunched figure wrapped in a thin sleeping bag in a doorway. They become a homeless statistic rather than a person with a name, a story, hopes and surely shattered dreams. The great Jewish theologian Martin Buber spoke about dangerous temptation to treat people as objects rather than subjects. So let me say it again. All around us today are people, unique, needy, hopeful, hopeless, fascinating people. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Let's notice them. See you next time. Lucas on Life.